Hello and welcome back to Equity, the TechCrunch podcast where we unpack the numbers and nuance behind the headlines. It is Monday, March 14th, 2022, and I am Natasha Mascarenas. As you can tell, I'm here instead of Alex this week. So take that as a permission slash red flag, (laughs) green flag, that we're going to be changing things up. I did start the week by realizing that Pete Davidson is going to space at the end of the month. So enjoy that factoid as we head into this week's news. Now, I'm not a markets person, but I do want to give a quick update on what I'm seeing. And that is definitely mixed feelings all around the world when it comes to the stock market. This is thanks to inflation, the Ukraine war, COVID, supply chain delays, and I mean, all around high tensions. So stocks did climb in Europe, but at the same time, they fell sharply in Hong Kong. In America, we saw slight upticks, but the Nasdaq did stay flat. And then somewhat in reflection of everything I just said, most major cryptos are down. Instead of the big tech section this week, I do want to talk about a big question or or trend that I'm noticing coming back in the private markets. So when I was first reporting on tech, I noticed that investors sometimes invested in other investors, and it was kind of a way to get exposure to ambitious, speedy, smaller funds and access to hot deals before maybe Sequoia notices. We saw it with Scout Funds, sure, but we also saw it with Andreessen Horowitz doing it and Lightspeed and Sequoia also kind of seeding a new generation of hopeful fund managers. While the idea of it is not new, I did notice that it's been gaining a lot of steam. So I published a piece this morning that was looking at some recent money being put forward by Tiger Global Management and 776. To me, the fact that these bigger firms are starting to put money into early stage tech funds shows that they're still interested, sure, in experimental investors to de-risk and lead those first checks. And that, you know, there's blooming interest in the idea of codifying once informal relationships. In the past, you may have just asked a friend for an intro on a deal. Now, in a world where anyone can start a rolling fund and emerging fund managers have a literal title that they can pitch people behind, firms should put money where their collaboration is. On our Wednesday show this week, we actually will get into why we think Tiger Global is so dedicated to backing early stage fund managers. And we think it may have to do with a little bit of a mid-fund crisis. Finally, I will end your day with two deals. First, we're going to talk about Move, which is an African mobility fintech that provides vehicle financing to drivers. It raised $105 million in a new Series A2 financing. And catch this, they have an exclusive partnership with Uber. Here's how it works. Drivers sign up on the platform. Once verified, they're trained, sign contracts with Move to access loans to buy or rent cars. The company will then get these drivers onto Uber's platform and then deduct the weekly rental fees from their earnings. So I really like companies that help others get closer to the ownership of major assets. I feel like that is the promise of fintech, especially fintech that's both trying to be inclusive and disruptive for those of us who caught us in our live show last week. But I guess my big question is I'd like to see them not just help the folks who already speak the language of car ownership, but also just maybe realize that there is power in owning a car. As Tej points out in his piece about Move, owning a car is still a luxury for most of the population. So while Move is obviously providing a long-term fix, there's probably a whole ecosystem that has also helped people avoid getting cars in the first place. So beyond gig drivers or mobility entrepreneurs, I would like to see how Move applies its model of helping people get small ownership of big assets over time to other, maybe more immediate focuses. 
I also, of course, wonder if it's Uber acquisition fodder. You know, the company, like I said, has an inclusive partner across Africa. And going back to the idea of it trying to be both inclusive and disruptive, I could totally see a world where it's helping the workers on its platform, the people that are looking to buy cars with benefits. If it's going to be a gig economy company, I would like to see it get into the world of portable benefits, which I've written about time and time again. My second deal is about Sesa, which is actually a pretty controversial one. So this company, which Haya wrote about this week, is trying to give developers an API that can change accented English from one accent to another in near real time. As Haya points out in the piece, it makes sense to have mixed feelings about this technology. On one hand, taking away someone's accent can take away what makes them them. I mean, I like diversity, as he does, in how people sound, but it, it sits a little weird to try and erase that from them. On the other side, it could be a great way to level the playing field for accessibility or even pure comprehension reasons. The fact that you should be able to talk to and understand another person from your team is important. Although I don't know if we're ready to have a tech company that that's its sole purpose. I'm thinking a lot about a company I wrote, um, I guess about in July, it's called Bold Voice, and it wants to help non-native English speakers find and really flaunt their voices. So similar mission, but I think its focus is a little different, at least the way that it's telling me about it. So unlike a company like Duolingo, which is really helping you speak other languages, it wants to get people to work on their accents. And a lot of that is working out your mouth through tongue exercises. It's not really been a priority for other language learning platforms and that meaning pronunciation. So I do like the idea, as they said, of like, it's not really erasing someone's identity, but it's really getting someone to feel empowered. And that's the fine line for say so and even bold voice. Can you help users get more tips on how to be more culturally and linguistically confident? That might be taking an accent and fine tuning it so it feels more natural and understandable. But I think the opposite should be true, too. If you are an English person going to India and you are in an environment of completely native Hindi speakers, technology should exist for that as well. And that's a wrap. It is Mary Ann's birthday today. So I want you all to take a minute, literally right now, and follow her. Go to at Bay Area Writer on Twitter or subscribe to her fintech newsletter at techcrunch.com slash newsletters. While you're there, why not check the boxes for one, the fintech newsletter, but also Startups Weekly and The Exchange, which I write as well as Alex. You can also follow the show at Equity Pod or me at nmask underscore. Other than that, this was kind of fun. Um, thanks for having me. And we'll be back on Wednesday. Bye. Bye. 